This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's another episode of the Equalizer podcast. The big three are back in hand. Dan Lalletta, John Halloran, and Chelsea Bush. And when I went to contact you guys today, I realized that we haven't all been on the pod together since March 1st. We did take some weeks off. A couple of us couldn't be on in the few weeks after that. Uh, But the good news is that we are all healthy and uh, chugging along here in the age of coronavirus. And John, Chelsea, just uh, real quick before we get started, um, you know, how are you guys holding up both uh, at home and without women's soccer? And what do you say? How are you guys doing? Um, Well, I am unfortunately, I mean, I shouldn't say that, but I'm an essential worker, so I still have to go into the office. Sometimes I am on a partial work from home schedule. I have my own feelings about going into the office, none of which are pleasant. Um, but you know, I'm grateful to have a job. I as I was telling both of both of you guys before we aired that it's, it's right now when living alone gets a little bit hard. I think my cats are really tired of me. Um, <laughs> they love me being home. The days I'm working from home, they're thrilled. They go in and out as they want. They get pets, they get naps. Um, but I am coming up in their business a lot because who else am I going to talk to? <laughs> um, and then, you know, on top of that, not having soccer to, to speak to what the podcast is about is it's not just, you know, the NWSL. I, I generally spend my Saturday and Sunday mornings watching Bundesliga and, and Premier League. And I don't have that either. So it's kind of thrown my, as I'm sure other people have, my entire routine out the window. Um, but you know, I, I do what everyone else does. I go on a lot of walks and, um, I watch a lot of Netflix <laughs> and I bake. I've been making bread, lots Ooh, of bread. Thanks for sending us some. I mean, if you, if you want the run, I can, I can send it to you, but I feel like they frown upon that. Maybe. Well, the post office is crying poor though. So maybe you could boost their business a little bit and send us some baked goods. All right. I'll consider it. John, everything good by you? Yeah, as I think as well as it, it could be under the circumstances, been able to work from home and see my kids a little bit more for, for better and for worse. And uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, um, but yeah, definitely a little bit stir crazy on the Woso front. I watched 40 minutes of the 99 World Cup final this morning um, just because that was all I could think that would be interesting to watch and uh, been watching some old some old 2013, 2014, and even 2015 Red Stars games too. Just trying to, trying to, you know, keep the mind busy. All right, now you just opened up a whole can of worms here, and for, you know things are pretty well for me too. Very lucky so far, employed, healthy, and all that. 99 World Cup final, epic yeah. moment. That game was pretty bad though, wasn't it? It's 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 a lot choppier um, than I remember. Although I don't 
I can't remember rewatching it since I watched it the first time. So, um, pretty fresh eyes, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of back and forth, uh, two pretty even match teams and, uh, they did not give each other any time whatsoever on the ball. And, uh, you know, both of them were, were high pressing. So there are a lot of giveaways, a lot of direct play. Um, but yeah, so like I said, first, first 40 minutes, um, but it was, it was fun. There were a couple moments, you know, I didn't remember and, uh, you know, cause everybody always remembers the end of that game, but there was some, some pretty good stuff in that first half. And then when you say red stars, 13, 14, and yeah. 15, I guess yeah. my memory of the red stars back then was that every game at Benedictine, it looked miserable. There were probably delays in about half of them. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't see the whole field on the stream and just something usually got weird. In well, those games, I felt like for the first three years that they played at home. Yeah, the first one I watched actually had Arnhem Whistler, the owner, I doing, remember the, that game. doing the play-by-play, which I thought, wow, you know, what world am I in where I'm listening to an owner do play-by-play of his I, team? I, don't I remember broadcast. watching that game, and I didn't know who it was at the time. Yeah. But it, like, it just it didn't seem right. Like, it didn't seem like someone who was trained to do – Play-by-play, and I guess whoever was supposed to do it was a late scratch, and there was nobody else, so Arnhem just went up there and stepped in. There was a three-hour rain delay, so I'm imagining they had somewhere else to be. I told um, you every game was delayed. Yeah, it was it was funny, but it also had Janet Rayfield, the University of Illinois coach, so it was interesting to hear her perspective on the game, especially because I think three of the players on the field were u of i alums so she was commenting on her players that she had directly coached what who did they play in that game i think it was houston um but it's a little a little tough that was like two weeks ago when i watched that one um but yeah it was uh it was interesting it was stuff stuff i didn't really really remember and um always interesting to go back and take a fresh look at stuff that happened years and years ago just looking at the way the league was back then um i think i think we have this impatience in women's soccer where we're always wanting more 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 but it's when you look back you realize how far things have come as well and that's important uh to to remember that as well yeah i have a story about the inaugural game of the league Back in 2013, coming out, or maybe by the time you listen to this, it's already up on the site, EqualizerSoccer.com. And just going back and watching little snippets of that game. And I was at that game, and it was great. It was, you know, they sold out the place. They had an overflow crowd, literally jammed all into the place in Kansas City. And it was fantastic. But the stream is terrible, and the football lines just stare you right in the face. And now, like, we're beyond that. There's no more high school, there's no more college, you know, and some of the people I spoke to about that game even mentioned that, you know, like that was a long time ago, all of a sudden in women's soccer, we have come far with the venues and everything else. You you know, I watched a 2015 game the other day too, and it was Chicago at the Western New York flash and the announcers were wearing Western New York flash. I remember that. And I thought, like, like, listen, I think we all know, especially if you watch any major league soccer, you know that you get Homer announce announcers. Um, But that was pretty (laughs) to see them actually in the team gear doing the broadcast was was something else. 
Well, anyway, the theme that we had kind of set for the, for this uh, podcast is Woso Origins. We threw out a question on Twitter, uh, but we figured we're all going to talk about our own Woso Origins and how did we get involved. I know for me personally, um, I'm not going to do my whole spiel first, but, you know, the bulk of my childhood was spent during the time where there was no women's or men's pro soccer at the at the first division level. In the U.S., so it didn't come naturally to me as I grew up as a sports fan to, you know, to just gravitate towards soccer. But Chelsea, we're going to let you go first, and just give us a sense of how did you become interested in soccer? How did you get into the, you know, what was your first experience on the women's side, and what made you um, take the steps to become someone who wrote about it and then talked on podcasts about it? So I kind of had I was thinking about this earlier, trying to kind of plan out what I was going to say. And I kind of had a little bit of an epiphany because I started playing soccer when I was eight. And it was, I remember it was the fall season because I remember it getting chilly um, while I was playing. And I, I couldn't for the life of me think of why I started liking soccer. I grew up in, in small town, Texas. Soccer is not big there. It's all about um, another kind of football. My, I had an older brother. He, he didn't like soccer. I've asked my mom. If she took me to any game, she goes, I don't know. You just walked up one day and said you wanted to play soccer. I started doing the math, and I was eight in um, 1994. So I kind of think maybe I saw a World Cup game on TV and was like, I want to do that. I don't have a memory of this, but I can only assume that's that's where I got exposed to it, because otherwise it was not in my life at all. Um so I, I played rec ball my, my high school, my junior high. I actually did not have teams, so rec ball was, was kind of all I had. Um, I, I wasn't a great runner, so I wasn't, a, I wasn't much of a soccer player. Um, but I kind of started watching. I do remember the, the 96 Olympics. I remember watching um, some of that on TV with, when they won uh, the first gold. And then, like most uh, girls of my age, um, it was it was the 99 World Cup for me. I had gotten for Christmas when I was 12 um, a number nine Mia Hamm jersey. It was the white one that they, they wore in the final. And so I remember wearing that and watching the final. And for some reason, my brother had kicked me out of the living room and I had to watch it on this like tiny TV that was in my <laughs> parents' bedroom. Like, I have a very clear memory of Brandy Chastain scoring and then winning and just bursting into tears because I was so worked up. And I think that's the first time I'd ever cried over anything that was happy. So it was kind of a watershed moment for me. Um, I remember watching WSA on, uh, was it PAX? Was that the TV yeah, channel? PAX. Yeah, I remember that because we had just Nobody gotten... heard of that channel before or since. <laughs> yeah, because we had just gotten um, satellite TV. I was in middle school and... We got this channel called Pax. I remember like Channel Surfer and I was like, oh my gosh, it's soccer. Like I know who these people are. I'd had this uh, biography that I'd read of all the 99ers. So there was a time and a point in time I could have told you everything, single thing about their lives. Not so much now. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of how I, I got into soccer as far as writing. I mean, I've, I've been writing since I could read and I've been reading since I was about three. Um, so I, I started pretty young and, you know, like any kid does just, stories and actually studied journalism for about three years in college before I decided I, I couldn't make a living and decided to get a history degree. So I didn't, uh, didn't think that one through. Um, but I didn't even know there was like a soccer community on uh, the internet, on social media until the 2015 World Cup. I was on Twitter a little bit. I just, 
I didn't really understand hashtags for a while. And like, I didn't know how to find people. And when the 15 world cup came out, like I started, I did some tweets about it. And like, I would see people start like liking and, and, and interacting with me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's this whole community. And so I kind of just, you know, started following people that way and started just putting my thoughts on the games out there. And then, um, Early on in in 2016, I was contacted by someone I'd become friendly with on Twitter, and and she said, hey, I'm I'm writing for this website called Midfield Press, and they're looking for someone to to write about the Houston Dash, and I know, you know, you've gone to their games, so I thought, you you know, I I like your ideas, I know you you like to to write in other arenas, like I thought that'd be something you'd be interested in, so I said, yeah, okay, this seems cool. Uh, no idea what I was getting myself into. Literally, just was like, that seems like a fun thing to do. Um, I wasn't wrong, but I think I certainly bit off more than I, I knew I was getting into. Um, reached out to these guys, did some some game coverage for the Houston Dash games for this website called Midfield Press. I would say about halfway through the 2016 season, um, myself and three other uh, ladies who wrote for Midfield Press said, hey, why don't we do a specifically WOSO-focused website, because Midfield Press, their primary focus was the, the lower levels of, of men's soccer, so uh, USL, NASL, things like that. And, and they were very supportive of us, so we did that. So I was a founding member of Backline Soccer, um, no longer with them, but I kind of just moved in a different direction, but I was there for a point in time, and then this guy called Dan started harassing me. <laughs> <laughs> and... I came to Equalizer, and I guess that's kind of it. All right. Obviously, you're talking about me. Yeah. But I have a little bone to pick with you here. Oh, no. You say that they approached you, and they said, we'd like, you know, we like your ideas. We'd like you to write for Midfield Press. And you said, yeah, okay. When I approached you and said, (laughs) I like your ideas, would you like to write for Equalizer? You were like, "Uh, no. Yeah, okay, since Dan wants to put that out there, I did <laughs> I did turn down the opportunity um, once or twice. It had nothing to do, I, I liked Equalizer. I remember when it first followed me on Twitter, I was like, wow, look at these people. Like, these are actual people who know things about soccer, and they're following me. And I had this very cool, like, oh, my gosh moment. Um, it was much more to do with can I write for two websites at once and balance that with everything else that's going on in my life and wasn't sure if I could do that. Um Obviously, I figured it out. Thank you, Dan. I'm gr- glad you harassed me m- multiple times. And for anyone listening, please do not think I mean actual harassment. I'm I'm very much kidding. I know Dan knows that, but I want everyone listening to to understand that I am completely joshing with him right now. Um, it's so it sounds like you aren't, um, and maybe it's a factor of how old you are, but you did you weren't like men's soccer, and then you picked up on the women's side. It almost seems like. You can no, either pick them up together or women's first. It's yeah, it's kind of a together because I remember my when I first started playing soccer, um, I had an uncle, and I, I to my knowledge, he's not a soccer fan. I don't know how he know they existed, but he said, "Hey, you know, there's a soccer team called Chelsea," and I was like, "Hey, what?" Um, and so that was right about the time I had first started playing, and he was like, "Yeah, there's this team in England. Their name's Chelsea." I was like, "Well, that's pretty much the coolest thing on the planet." <laughs> Um, I found out later they spelled their name wrong, but, you know, minor issue, whatever. So I really kind of, but I didn't start watching men's soccer until after I got into Woso. So if I caught it on TV, I don't remember watching um, 
Dallas Burn or any other MLS games on TV. I, like I said, I think I probably started with the 94 World Cup. I don't know that for a fact. That's just the timing seems to add up. But I don't remember watching men's soccer until well after I'd gotten into to Woso, which I think is probably a little bit different for a lot of people. And I'm very much someone who who watches any kind of soccer they can get their hands on, men's, women's, college, you know, whatever it may be um, now. But yeah, I think I started with Woso. I'm kind of a little proud of that, honestly. I never really thought about it until you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, I think people my age, I think John, too, didn't really have that option necessarily because it really didn't exist in the time probably that we started being interested in soccer. Um, Chelsea was pretty bad back then, weren't they? That was before they started spending money, right? Yeah, I mean, before Abramovich came on. But I didn't know that because I didn't really, you know, you couldn't turn on cable TV and get all these foreign uh, soccer things as much back then. I was just like, hey, they're, I was aware they existed for a long time. I, I don't remember when I started watching, but I know enough about them now to know that until till he, he came on board and they kind of became, you know, I would say one of the, the big four of the Premier League, they, they weren't doing a whole lot. All right, so now everyone listening knows exactly how Chelsea Bush got herself into soccer, got herself into equalizer. We'll got, take a little break. We'll come back. You get to hear the same uh, from John and myself. Chelsea gave us a tough act to live up to, though, so see if John and I can do that. You are listening to the Equalizer Podcast. Back on the Equalizer podcast, Dan with John and Chelsea. And a reminder to check us out on the web at EqualizerSoccer.com or for premium content, EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. And also a reminder to please rate and review the Equalizer podcast today. I think during the break, John and I gave Chelsea good reviews for her uh, rundown of how she got into soccer and women's soccer and the writing game. So, John, you're up next. Um, well, it, you know, kind of how you were saying, and um, you know, when when we were younger, uh, it was tough to find soccer on TV. The first soccer game I remember seeing on television was the '94 World Cup. Um, but I also think I was kind of one of those rare people who liked watching the men's and the women's equally. Which I don't, you know, we we sometimes make fun of U.S. soccer for the one nation, one team. Uh, hashtag or um, but I, I always enjoyed both. I remember the 96 Olympics, just like Chelsea was talking about. And then obviously the 99 World Cup was kind of that that big moment. And then when we got a little bit after 2000 and the Internet started becoming more of a thing, watching the really, really terrible streams when you could find them, they were like in eight bit and choppy <laughs> as could be. But you know, you, you watched what you could find. And then in 2011 is when I started writing. I started a blog called American Touchline, which has now been bought out by some Chinese medicine company or something. So don't go there because it's <laughs> full of spamware, I'm sure. But um, And then right after that, I got a job with Bleacher Report writing. And so that just kind of took off, took off from there. And um, then I think came into Equalizer sometime after the 2016 draft, because that's when when we met and when I met Jeff. Um, that was the first draft that I'd covered in person and uh, just kind of went from there. That's it. Chelsea well, went on I mean, for, for no, a long I, time. I know. I don't uh, I don't have a 
super interesting story. I think, you know, one of the things that changed changed the whole dynamic for a lot of us, for fans, for writers, was just social media, that we could connect with people that we didn't know in person. And that obviously led to us being able to, you know, interact in an easier way when we did meet in person. And it allowed us to cover this, this league all over the country with, because this isn't like, you know, I think if we were covering a more mainstream sport, especially if it was 20 years ago, each market would have a beat reporter that would travel with the team and we'd be traveling around the country and, you know, two or three times a year, we'd be interacting with reporters in different markets, but that is not the way the world works, at least for, for soccer and certainly not for women's soccer. So social media played a, a big role in us being able to connect with one another and to create a network of writers and to establish those relationships. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the cooler parts of covering women's soccer these days is that we do have kind of this unofficial, maybe it's not unofficial, but, you know, we do have this network where, you know, we're all friendly and we do see each other a couple times a year at different spots. And it's a lot of fun. I remember the first time I met you was at that draft, 2016. I guess that was in Baltimore. That was the, yeah. the, Mal, the Mal Pugh. Let's change the rules so Mal Pugh can go to Portland draft, even though she didn't yeah. go to Portland. Yeah. But I remember you, I was walking around probably in a hurry, and you stopped me and said, well, told me who you were and that we you know, we were like, interacted on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember after that, I felt bad because I was very short with you because I was <laughs> running around to do something. Draft days are crazy. Yeah, as we all know now. But now we now we talk frequently. So well, I don't I don't remember you being rude. So that's a good oh, good, good good. But good. Uh, I sat next to Kieran Tavum, so that was the first time I met Kieran as well. There you go. We we all love Kieran, one of the yeah. good, truly good guys in the in the game. Well, for me, I remember the very tail end of the NASL, which is last year, I guess was '84. It was kind of the time where I was just you know, absorbing all these different sports. So, hey, soccer, why not? I remember what was unusual was that they had the visiting team on the top. I mean, the home team on the top in the score. But then, like, a couple of weeks later, that league was, like, gone. And there was nothing. And, I, I mean, I can remember, like, reading soccer scores in the newspaper. And, like, half of them were 0-0 and thinking, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then 1990, I remember coming home from school and Cameroon had upset Argentina in the opening game of the World Cup. And that was a really big deal. And that was the World Cup that the U.S. got back in on the Caligiri goal. So I remember watching those U.S. games and I was into the World Cup. But I, I wouldn't say that I followed soccer after that. But it was kind of hard as a sports fan in 94 not to get caught up when the Men's World Cup came to the U.S. And they wound up getting out of the group stage and they had, um, you know, they played that great round of 16 match, I guess, against Brazil, which I think was on the yep. 4th of July. And they lost the game, but played them really tough. And there was a league coming. And I've always been into to newer things. You know, I'm a Miami Heat fan because I wanted to follow any team since its inception. And the next new team that came along was the Miami Heat. So Major League Soccer started. And I said, you know what, I'm going to watch this. And I really, I knew nothing about soccer. But I was also doing a sports show on a local college radio station on Long Island. And I said to the other guys doing it, it was me and two other guys. I said, there's this new soccer league. We could probably really get in with this new league because there's really nobody else covering it. And one of the guys was like, yeah, right, whatever, you're crazy. The other guy actually had played a little bit in college. So we started 
calling then the Metro Stars, and they were like, yeah, what do you need? Come out to practice, come to the games, and, you know, you'd call visiting teams and say, hey, we're doing this radio, you know, from we're from this radio station in New York, and they were like, New York, what do you need? And we would get all kinds of different players from around the league, and then I remember the 96 Olympics with the women, and kind of like you, John, it didn't, you know, men's, women's didn't bother me. You know, I found out that there was a women's national team, and I was like, this is great, I'm in. And then they had the World Cup 99, and I was caught up in that. And I remember where I was watching the uh, the penalty shootout and the Brandy Chastain celebration and all that. And, um, you know, who would have thought all these years later that I'm on somewhat friendly terms with a lot of people who were a part of that game. Um, but about a year after that, I was in a bookstore and picked up Girls of Summer by Yuri Longman and uh, sat down and read. I intended to read, like, the first chapter, and I think I read the entire thing that day. And just kind of, it had. I think it mentioned in the book that there was a league coming, and I just said to myself, you know what, I want to be part of that league. And at the end of 2000, the New York Power announced that they were playing at Mitchell Field, and I lived about 20 minutes from there and was young enough and stupid enough to uh, spend a lot of time going to practice and wound up going to every game. And I sent an email uh, to a website called womenssoccer.com. There was a women's soccer and there was a women's soccer with the extra S. Got a response back from a fellow by the name of Tim Nash. And it turned out that he was on the process of getting the contract to do content for WDUSA.com and all the team sites. So that's how I got my start in media. Uh, met Jeff around 2010, probably. Went to, I remember the first game I went to with Jeff, we drove together to a Philadelphia Independence game. And it was literally about 100 degrees at game time at 7 p.m. Uh, but pretty much from there, I've been doing equalizer stuff, and uh, that's that's my story. Any follow-ups for me? All right, that's I guess story. I put, <laughs> guess I put everyone to sleep. I no, I just want to say when you said you went into a bookstore and picked up girls, and I was like, "Where's the story headed?" You know, that you was, said that's summer, and I was like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> that was probably my original intention, but that was. Never a possibility. So it was, it was the book all the way. All right, let's. Uh, we put out a call for the some uh, listener or yeah listeners to tell us how they got in. So Rita Oswald says I'm Italian, so I started watching the Italian women's national team during the last World Cup, and I loved them. But then I watched the U.S. women's national team, and I've known Tobin He thanks to a dear friend. They became everything I've always loved in football. My absolute adoration for Thorns FC was an inevitable consequence. And uh, thanks for that, Rita. There's also a little video, I, but we're not going to... Go ahead. I just want to jump in and say, Rita, the Italian women's national team is legit. So I, I think they're kind of on my list of, of one to watch. I know their league has been, been doing really good about building, and I think that national team could be a player um, in a few cycles, maybe next cycle, next cycle after that, something like that. I like yeah, I watching them. I don't disagree with that. I... Um, I was just thinking about watching them play. Did they go out to the Netherlands? Yeah, that the was that. Wasn't that that awful hot game, and they were just like done by halftime? Wasn't yes. that the game? I think it was one nothing, and it was a uh, like they both teams played really hard, but the game just kind of broke down a little bit toward the end. And yeah, I think that, so. And I watched that game in a hotel lobby, and then left that lobby to go to my other accommodations in France, and wound up in the heart of the. Paris Pride Parade, which got me like an hour and a half detour to what was supposed to be a nine-minute walk, and it was about 100 degrees that day, so 
great, great memories of the World Cup that I was at. All right. Um, Gui says, I'm from Argentina, and I started watching Woso at the World Cup 2015. I fell in love with the game and the U.S. women's national team. My favorite NWSL is Orlando because I love purple, and they announced the new team that year, so I followed them from the beginning. I'm all on board with picking a team because of, because they wear your favorite color. Uh, Argentina is one of those teams where 2015, they were one of those, hey, if only they would invest more. And then it seems like they fell off a little bit, which is too bad. And speaking of colors, we, we all know that Dan just really wants a green team. Oh, I totally want it. My Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the Canadian Football League in Canada is where it's at. Dan loves the green. Dan, let me ask you a question, though, before you read the next one. Because one of these old games I was watching, I'm watching Sky Blue, and they're wearing these jerseys that look like Arsenal jerseys. I don't remember them being red, but obviously they were, and they were red at a point where I was covering the league, but I have no recollection of that. I don't remember red. I remember they would wear orange. I remember the orange. Maybe, maybe it's just it was the stream. A, maybe, but I was like, what is happening here? This is I couldn't figure out who they were playing, and it was sky blue. And they would announce sometimes at home games, at kickoff, ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Sky Blue FC will be wearing the orange jerseys tonight because they'd be playing like the Red Stars or the Breakers who were wearing blue. And I was like, this is not good. You can't be Sky Blue and wearing orange. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't remember the red. Okay. I admit. And I'm supposed to remember a lot of things. And I'll tell you what, by the way, not having anything to do socially, and Chelsea will appreciate this, and I'm way off topic. But for those of you who don't know, I have a reputation of having a pretty good memory. But this being locked down is killing my memory because I usually use like events and dates and every day has been the same now for a month. So I can't use anything that's <laughs> happened in the last month. You know, as a uh, so what you're saying is we need to have a Zoom Woso nerd off of Jen Cooper right now. Yeah, well, Jen Cooper is also a ringer now because Jen actually gets paid now to look up. <laughs> information so i'm gonna take my win when we were you know both that people. just sounds like an excuse hey maybe it is but you know look we did it once and i won and i think we'll leave it at that it's always good to go out a champion yeah absolutely which by the way that is that was in houston i believe i was there i was there which it was the first time i met you in person was at that yep that final Yep, I was I was at the woso nerd off you you did win i i can testify to that i did win Tom Stidman, I have been a fan since the 1999 team and remember the shootout. Fell in love with the game then. Have been a have been a day one fan of Washington Spirit. Missed the game the most during the quarantine. Can't wait until soccer season again. Um, piggybacking off that shootout, somebody I forget who mentioned this on Twitter recently about the shootout and how Brianna Scurry was off her line by like three feet every single shot. And there's actually there were you know there were complaints about how she got a, the jump on the one that she saved and the other nine in that shootout were all made. But it's really I don't know when the last time you guys have watched that, but really is uncanny and amazing how the goalkeepers were totally different. And then you go back to this last one where they would replay it. You know if the keeper's heel was an inch off the line, pretty yeah. amazing. Oh, she I mean, was like three three yards. If you yeah, watch, both look at them. the relation to where she is compared between the goal line and the six. She is off her line by quite a bit. Yeah, they they definitely were not calling it, which, I mean, you kind of, to go off on another tangent, Some watching some of these older, especially the international games, it is striking how, much, how different the game is already. I mean, how much more goalkeepers just kind of 
stayed in their box. You know, they're, they're not as involved in the build-up play as they are now. Um, That's true, too. I noticed that watching the 99 game this morning when the, the Chinese keeper did not come off her line when it looked like Mia Hamm was going to get in behind at one point. They just stayed, like, next to their line. Yeah. Yeah, and then I, right after that, when Scurry fell out of favor a little bit, Siri Molinix, I don't know if you guys remember her, became the keeper for a little bit. I think she was the keeper in the Olympics. In I was about to say, yeah, I think she was. I think it was the turnaround was pretty quick there. And she was really aggressive. And that was, I mean, I'm not going to say that she redefined goalkeeping tactics, but she broke the mold quite a bit. You know, and, you know, they called her the sweeper keeper. And, uh, yeah, she was a lot different than the others. And they had a pretty good career. Won, uh, won an MW, uh, WSA title with the Washington uh, Spirit. All right, Jackie Galfus has a two-part answer. My wife and I are Olympic nerds, so we followed USWNT in 2012 and 16, but mostly only knew Pino and Morgan. We got into the World Cup last year and learned more about the other players than the Budweiser won't stop watching commercial aired after the final. I was gutted. It felt like it was directed right at me. I committed to watching the NWSL and learning all I could because Boston no longer has a club team. I decided to watch as many NWSL games as I could and learn about the teams, the players, their supporters, and their cultures. Great answer. Do you guys have favorite women's teams, or are you too involved in the, or even from the past, or are you too involved in the coverage of it? Yeah, I, you know, I, I got started watching the Dash because that was the only team I could go to see a, a game in person without getting on a plane. Um, it's still a four-hour drive. But I think when you start watching every single one week after week, and it just you see some of the behind the scenes stuff. It, it's hard. I would say for me to feel like I have a favorite team, but I, I mean, I have players that I enjoy watching more than others. And that's not just with NWSL. That's that's with national teams too. There are certain styles that I enjoy watching more than others, but I mean, I'm not, you know, anyone that knows me knows I'm, I'm a pretty d- diehard Chelsea and Bayern Munich fan on the, on the men's side. And I, I like, enjoy their women's teams as well. Um, but it, it's just, I think it's, it takes, something out of it when you cover it a little bit. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I root for players and scenarios and whatnot, usually keep them to myself. So I'll give you one example, though. Back in WUSA, the first year, this, the Washington Freedom had Mia Hamm, and the Washington Freedom that year were terrible. I think they missed last place on a tiebreaker, wound up drafting second, drafted Abby Wambach, and uh, Jim Gabara was getting some criticism for the way he was running his team, and he wasn't replacing certain players going forward, but I talked to him a lot and I kind of understood his vision for what he was doing because he would lay it out for me a little bit. And because of that, you know, I took a little bit of an, bit more of an interest in seeing them do well, but you know, for the most part, I do uh, try my best to remain impartial on these things. Tracy Davis. Here's a great answer. I fell in love during the 2011 world cup U S women's national team versus Brazil. I think we all, this is me talking now. I think we all agree. That's kind of the landmark game for the modern uh, era of women's soccer. Back to Tracy, absolutely hooked since then. Have traveled to, get this, see many NWSL games, W League, and two World Cup finals. So Tracy jumped right in big time in 2011. And I'm very happy to hear that someone that got involved on that USA-Brazil game not only travels to World Cup finals, but many NWSL games. 
Because I feel w like we need... They said W League, too? W League, yep. Woo. Yeah, now that's some commitment. I thought staying up late to watch them was impressive, but damn. <laughs> no, that would, like, that, that would be my dream, is to like cover the NWSL all summer and then just you know jet over to Australia for... So you just you'd like to do what the players just, do. Yeah, just cover the W League over there. That year. would not be bad at all. I have two summers. You just I, want to miss that Chicago winner. The Chicago winners I always thought played out of Benedictine, I'm telling you. Uh, all right, KTB, I started following the U.S. women back when Mia Hamm was playing, probably around 2004. I also met Cindy Parlow at a tournament. I started following the NWSL when it started. I was in college. I went to the World Cup in 2015 and uh chelsea on the mia ham front you said that you got the mia ham jersey were you act were you one of the mia squealers at any time not um in a literal sense i i kept it on the inside um mostly because i didn't get to go to any mom didn't take me to any games when i was the age to be um one of those but yes mostly yeah, I Mia Hamm has always been, and then you and I talked about her a while back. So we we're watching. I, I was watching her her final game on on TV, and she has always, to me, been kind of the exception to maintaining any sort of objectivity. Um, she she was really the first sort of celebrity I remember just completely idolizing and, and thinking that she could do no wrong. And obviously, I can watch games now and be like, yeah, she messed up there. That and 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 if you ask me who the the greatest American player was, I probably would put her number two if I was being objective um, with Michelle Akers at number one, but that is, you really have to dig deep to get me to admit that. Um, yes, I, I would, I would have been one of the Mia girls for sure. I ask you that question partly because. I You'd like to embarrass me? Well, that too, but I had read about the, you know, the Mia, Mia, Mia thing. And then I was on the field at RFK after a, freedom game and i guess she was about 30 yards ahead of me and i was walking behind her and as she approached this horde of fans i heard the mia squeals and it's one of the top two or three most deafening sounds i've ever heard in my life i mean that was legitimate that wherever she went they would yell for her and it was something else uh in the closing minutes do we have a favorite uh women's soccer memory or is that a whole other podcast all to itself or both? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, besides the 99 World Cup, I think that's going to be just the, the the one that stands out for so many people, at least especially at my age. It kind of came of age as women's soccer was also coming you know, really into its own. Um, I think that might be a whole other podcast. I think we could talk yeah, about that for I a long time. Yeah, I could five or six, like, just amazing memories watching games even even ones on tv the you know the big olympic finals and all right i'm not going to say know, mine then i'm going to save it for another pod yeah definitely say uh, if we could tell a, a, a dorky mia story of my own though um yeah <laughs> please do I was, it was i was on the tram to the world cup final this past summer and you know, and I know we've talked about this ad nauseum, but, you know, it was 100 degrees or 97 degrees and you're in there and you're packed because there's whatever it was, 80,000 people trying to get to this stadium. And so you're packed in and it's tram like sardines and like a foot away from me is this woman and I'm, and she's wearing a U.S. jersey and I'm like, oh, she looks a lot like Mia Ham, <laughs> and but she was pretty short and I'm not that tall either, but she was pretty short. And I thought, no, that's, you know, she's not that small. And, 
And then I noticed a guy three inches from my face looked an awful lot like Nomar Garcia Parra. And I thought, okay, maybe this is her. And then I thought, no, because I was taller than Nomar Garcia Parra. And again, I'm not a very tall man. So I thought there's no possible way this is them. And then, of course, we got off the tram and it was them. Um, so, yeah, we were like a oh, foot you away. Missed your moment. I know, on the tram to the, to the final. Man. I would have died, so. Well, at least we know Mia traveled uh, just to the game, just like everybody else did. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and uh, and the, the brutal heat and the nobody really cared that the World Cup was in France. Of yeah, France. That's, that's true, too. They, but, they didn't even notice. But you know what? It's uh, probably a lot better than if it had been scheduled for this year. Uh, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we're going to try to roll these out every week. We'll try to pick a different interesting topic each week and give you any updates as we have them. Really no news updates, honestly, this week to speak of. There won't be any women's soccer for a while. There won't be any NWSL for a while. No U.S. women's national team for a while. But we're going to do our best uh, to keep you up to date on everything and uh, keep us in on mind on the web at EqualizerSoccer.com. Thanks to Chelsea. Thanks to John. Those are our Woso origins. Keep them coming in on the site. We'll uh, interact with you where we can. My name is Dan Lawletta. You've been listening to the Equalizer Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.